Welcome to the Left and Lefter podcast with your hosts, Vince LaMartina and Dean Vergara. This is the Left and Lefter podcast, where we discuss the current news and events from the ideological perspectives of a moderate Democrat and a Democratic Socialist. I am your host, Vince LaMartina, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dean Vergara. Dean, how are you doing? Well, considering everything that is going on in the country right now, I suppose I'm doing relatively fine. Uh, How about yourself, Vince? I'm doing well. And, you know, you talk about everything going on in the country right now, and we're going to get to that throughout most of the podcast. But I feel like every week we kind of leave with the same sentiment, which is it cannot get any crazier than it is right now. And every week we are wrong. Yep. Every (laughs) week we are wrong. Every week it gets crazier. It's, it's like this never ending cycle of, of lies and, and for lack of a better word, craziness. And it's, I don't know about you, but it's just exhausting at this point where I, I dread turning on the, on the news because I don't know how much I can take of this. No, every time I turn on my phone and I look at my notifications, I kind of take a deep breath before I do it because I'm just wondering what shoe's going to drop next. That's the level of craziness that we have reached. The only good news in this whole situation is that we're 30 days away. It's going to hopefully be over soon. All right, Dean, let's go ahead and get started with our first segment of the episode, Reacting to the News, where we react to our news story of the week, our good news story of the week, and we nominate our Dumbo of the week. Our news story of the week is that the New York Times reported that the author of The Art of the Deal, television reality star and current president Donald J. Trump, for years generated millions of dollars in losses that allowed him to reduce his income tax liability to zero in 10 of the last 15 years and to a mere $750 in 2016, the year he won the election, and 2017, the first year in the White House. Dean, throughout his presidency, Trump has refused to share his taxes with the American people, and now we know why. What is more concerning to you, the fact that the president is in severe debt or the fact that he refused to do his patriotic duty and pay his fair share in taxes? So both. Uh, Let me explain why. Short term, uh, the debt. The debt is the, the most concerning aspect of that because we do not know who Trump and his family are beholden to right now. Uh, is it Russia? Is it uh, a Saudi Arabian prince? We, we, just, we just don't know. So short term uh, and in the near future, that is the most concerning aspect of the story. Because if you listen to any FBI analyst or anyone that does background screening for uh, highly confidential roles within government, the one thing they'll, they'll all agree on is that the first thing that they look for when recruiting someone or when vetting someone is whether they have a considerable amount of debts. Because when a person does have a large amount of debts, as our president does, uh, they're more likely to be prone to manipulation. Um, and then I said both because in 
not just the long term, but in, in the bigger picture of this scenario, it's that Trump and people like Trump and corporations have not been paying their fair share of taxes for far too long, and that they're taking advantage of a tax system that time and again proves to be incapable of taxing corporations and billionaires and, and multimillionaires a fair amount. So they use the tax code, they use, they use the convoluted nature of the tax code by hiring expensive tax attorneys and accountants to find every single loophole possible within the system. Um, so from that perspective, him not paying it isn't really that big of a surprise, but it does point out to the larger problem that we have in our country and we have in our economic system. Uh, but it also reveals that everything about Trump is, is a mirage. It isn't real. He's been able to sell the American people this false notion that he is this superstar businessman. You know, as you pointed out in your intro, the author of The Art of the Deal, even though Newsflash, he didn't actually write it, it was, uh, he did have a ghostwriter. So, you know, to any of our Trump listeners, I, I hate to spoil that for you. And it really isn't surprising to me that he hasn't paid his taxes that he owes a whole bunch of money to a whole bunch of different people that we really don't even know. Because if you just look at his track record and you tell me, Vince, if this is a track record of a businessman that knows what he's doing, a businessman that knows the art of the deal. L listen to this list. Trump stakes, go Trump, Trump airlines, Trump vodka, Trump mortgage, Trump the game, Trump Magazine, Trump University, Trump ICE, the New Jersey Generals, Tour de Trump, Trump Network, Trumped the game, Trump Taj Mahal, Trump's Castle, Trump Plaza Casinos, Trump Plaza Hotel, Trump Hotels and Casino Resorts, and then finally, Trump Entertainment Resorts. All of those have gone bankrupt, every single one. This is a guy that does not know what he's doing politically, personally, and in business. And this crazy idea that Trump deserves the benefit of the doubt when dealing with economic matters because he's a savvy businessman is just beyond perplexing. It is absurd. He's an awful businessman. The only thing this guy has ever been able to do is take daddy's $100 million loan and market his name. That's it. That is absolutely it. He has not created anything of value in his 74 years of life. Nothing. He is a failure at everything he does, everything he touches. And hopefully this story will waken enough people to this Oh, you know, hopefully the story will make moderate voters and independents more aware of what a complete screw up this man is. 
because I think part of the problem is, is that a lot of mid Midwestern moderates and independents, uh, they're not as aware as people in the Northeast are of to who Trump really is and what he's all about. Uh, so this was their first time being conned by Donald Trump. And you know what? In 30 days, they'll have an opportunity to make up for that, that mistake. And, you know, let, let's just keep moving forward. You know, Dean, everything you said, obviously, I 100% agree with. You know, they call him Don the Con for a reason. Uh, and he has earned that title, that nickname. Dean, when you were listing all the failures of Donald J. Trump, the only one that was the, the worst one on that list that you didn't even mention was his presidency. You look at everything this man has touched. You're right. He's the opposite of the Midas touch. He turns yeah. everything to garbage. Everything. And you know, Dean, I, I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm going to have to take the opportunity here. I know our friends on the left and you as well love pointing out every little mistake that Hillary Clinton made. But I have to take this moment to point out goes. that once again, Hillary called this. She did. She said there was a reason he does not want to share his taxes, that he is not a great businessman like he claims. And she was right. And she would know because she's in that New York region. Anyone in exactly. New York knows that Don's a con. He, he doesn't actually, no one took him seriously. No one takes him seriously. There was a story that came out uh, a couple of days ago that kind of got, uh, you know, pushed to the back burner, just given, you know, everything else that's going on in the country. But it was an interesting story in which uh, a former Trump uh, confidant said that Trump hates, so there are two interesting things, that Trump constantly hates on religion. Uh, and this whole idea that he's this, this Christian saint is, is laughable and a fallacy, but also that Donald Trump would often admire those priests and preachers you see on TV selling holy water to poor people well, because that's what, that's, he what he is. that's what he is. He's no different. He's selling you a lie and, and they keep buying it. Yeah, he's a charlatan. And you know, it's interesting that you bring up the fact that Trump is not religious. We, we all know that. Most people should understand that uh, by now. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because you can also see the Biden campaign starting to play on that as well. Recently, they launched the largest ad buy ever for any politician, let alone a Democrat, in a national presidential campaign to try to attract more evangelical voters. They also launched Evangelicals for Biden, which featured a bunch of top evangelical surrogates who voted for Donald Trump in 2016, but now have decided enough is enough. They might not agree with Joe on certain issues like abortion, but they understand that Joe is a much better person and Joe is a man of faith and Joe is a decent human being and give credit to the Biden campaign. They reached out to them, right? There was, if you read that article and you read um, the press release about evangelicals for Biden, there is a prominent mega church pastor in the Tampa area who talks about the fact that he did vote for uh, Trump in 2016 because he never felt there was a connection with the Clinton campaign. And he gave massive credit to Joe Biden for reaching out to him, for being, for trying to do something to attract evangelical voters. And he responded to that. So good job by the Biden campaign for finding what I think is a big weakness. We've talked about this before on right. this podcast that 
Trump does not have that evangelical Christian vote locked up completely. It's not genuine. The people in the people who are true evangelicals still have a problem with him. People who care about morality have to have an issue with him. And Joe's a much more moral, decent person. So kudos to the Biden campaign for trying to attack that weakness of the Trump campaign. Yeah. And he's also a person that pays his taxes. And, you know, as I, I pointed out in the beginning of, of the segment, a lot of people, you know, on, on the far left, including myself, are pointing out that although what Trump did wasn't illegal per se, uh, it just shows how corrupt our system is. And I think it's important to point out that we can say the system's broken, we need to fix it on one hand. But on the other hand, within that system, Joe Biden paid his taxes and Donald Trump did not. And the reason that's such a big issue for Trump and you look at independent and swing voters in 2016, Donald Trump was very effective on running on this idea of draining the swamp, getting rid of corruption in Washington, D.C. And that's why, and that's one of the many reasons he never wanted to release his taxes because he is a beneficiary of corruption. And this gives an example to people who are looking to end corruption in Washington, are sick of the way Washington operates, of why Donald J. Trump is no different than what he preaches against. And, you know, it's also... It- it's also important to point out because, you know, there's a lot to, to go through with this story. Um, but an important piece, at least to me, and I know Vince agrees, is that for the past four and a half years, we've been told Trump by Trump that he's going to release his tax returns. He's going through this very complicated audit process. He can't do it right now. You know, just wait. So we waited, we waited, we waited, and we waited. Four and a half years later, still no tax returns. That audit process, that audit that he's talking about is a direct result of him asking for a $73 million tax refund. That's what that stems from. So not only is he lying about his taxes, he's lying about the audit, and he's lying about the reason why there is an audit that's ongoing. And the reason why it's ongoing is because the IRS cannot determine whether or not he's entitled to that tax refund. And if I can talk to the IRS real quickly, he's not. He's not entitled to it. Maybe once the IRS audit is completed and he releases his tax returns, he can also find his health care plan, which he's also been promising for the last four years. You know, nothing about what you said, Dean, surprises me. And I think it goes back to what Deep Throat during the Watergate scandal said, follow the money. When you look at Trump's taxes, follow the money. He is in severe debt. He has overextended himself. He owes a lot of money to a lot of people. And that's partly why he has to cheat on his taxes. Every business he has done has, for the most part, been a failure. He made a little bit of money being a reality TV host, which eventually also turned into a failure. You know, so when you look at Trump and you look at the tax returns, there's going to be a lot more to come out from this story. And New York Times kind of mentioned that, that this is just the first wave of information. They're going to keep going through his taxes, trying to find more connections, and they're going to find more interesting and potentially damaging things to the Trump to, to Donald Trump uh, and to his campaign. 
Because when you follow the money, there is a reason he never wanted to share these. There is a reason he kept on lying and finding every excuse under the sun of why he couldn't share them. Yeah, and there's a reason why he is so beholden to Vladimir Putin. You have to follow the money. And I think as they continue to follow that trail, like you said, I'm not going to be surprised when we find out it leads right to a bunch of Russian oligarchs. One of, one of the disconcerting aspects of the story is that, and I guess it shouldn't be all that surprising, but it's the, the hypocrisy on the right. It's this idea that, of course, he didn't pay his taxes, right? It's, so it's not really hypocrisy. It's, it's more of, of explaining away. Of course he didn't. He's a savvy businessman. He doesn't have to, he, he, of course he found every tax loophole. It's fine. But you know what is not fine? When we have budget shortfalls in education, health, transportation, infrastructure, where we can't provide basic services to our people because people like Trump and Amazon and Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg aren't paying their fair share of taxes. So it's not, it's not just okay that he's doing this. This is why we're in the mess that we're in. And this is why, at least in my opinion, that we can never find the money to help people in a time of need, like we are right now, because we're always told, oh, we, you know, it, it costs too much, we don't have the money. Well, this is why. And you know who said that? Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton said that on the debate stage. So I just, you know, just real quick before we end it, I would just love to hear what you have to think about, do you think that this will make enough of a difference in the election for, for a moderate voter? You know, I think when you look at the election and how this piece of news affects it, there's just so much going on right now, news-wise. It's really tough to break through. I mean, we're going to cover a lot of the other topics that have happened this week, but this is one of maybe five major stories. Where I think this does hurt Trump, though, politically speaking, is Trump did a great job in 2016 connecting with working-class voters. That was a strength of the Trump campaign. I think for some working-class voters who, when Trump said, give me a shot, what do you got to lose? They figured, what do I have to lose? How bad could it be, right? This guy's a businessman. He, uh, he understands the needs of, of working class families. Let me give him a shot. Let's see what happens if you run the government like a Donald J. Trump business. And for those people, I think it does really hurt the president and his reelection campaign. Because how does that union worker, that teacher, that firefighter, that policeman who spent more money, who paid more money in taxes than Donald Trump feel about having to vote for this man again. His, to me, that's one of the biggest, to me, this issue is a direct shot at his strength or his perceived strength heading into this election. That is his base. If, if Joe Biden can just chip away a little bit at that working class voter, that union worker who paid a lot more than $750 in taxes. If he can chip away at that, even just a little bit, it's gonna be very, very difficult for Trump to win a reelection. And he knows it. That's why he's scared to death about this information coming out. 
And that's why during the debate, he straight up lied about it. He said it was fake news because what else can he say? He needs working class voters to come out and support him at the same level that they did in 2016. Unfortunately for Trump, his presidency has been a utter embarrassment and failure. The manufacturing jobs haven't come back like he promised. And he's not running against Hillary Clinton. He's running against Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., the son of Scranton. Oh, yeah. And I think against him, it's going to be much more difficult to, for Trump to get the same margins that he did against Hillary. You know, for Hillary, it was difficult for her to connect with that white working class voter, right? But that's Joe Biden. The areas that Trump ran up margins in Pennsylvania is where Joe Biden was born. They know Joe. Joe's actually like them. Joe wasn't born with millions. Joe had to work for everything he got. And that's part of the reason why, when you look at polling throughout this election, Trump has been trailing and Joe Biden's been leading. He's doing a lot better than Hillary did with working class voters. And if Trump cannot find a way to get those margins again in 2020, he's toast and he knows it. So what other option does he have but to try to deny that the deny the story, say it's fake news, and hope people don't pay attention because there's so much else out there? Now to our good news story of the week. This week's good news story is post-debate polling shows voters coalescing around Joe Biden. National polls released post-debate show that Joe Biden is growing his lead among voters. A recent CBS YouGov poll has Biden plus eight. An IPSOS poll has Biden plus nine. A USC LA Times poll has Biden plus 10. And a NBC News Wall Street Journal poll has Biden up 14. Additionally, state polling is showing a similar trend. A New York Times upshot poll has Biden up seven in Pennsylvania and up five in Florida. A CBS poll has Biden and Trump tied in the state of Ohio and Biden up seven in Pennsylvania. And a USA Today Suffolk poll in Arizona has Biden up by four. Dean, if you're the Biden campaign, you must be ecstatic by the recent polling. It seems that the Joe Biden Express is full steam ahead. What are your thoughts on the recent polling? And do you think Democrats can hold on for a victory this time around? Well, my first thought uh, that comes to mind, you know, after seeing these poll results is that it, it does require me to do something that I really don't like to do too often. And that's admit when I was wrong. So uh, right after the debate on Wednesday, I believe it was, uh, Vince and I, we had our very first live stream, which was, an, which was very interesting. And, you know, to anyone who, who joined us, thank you. Uh, and on the live stream, you know, I wasn't quite as optimistic as Vince was regarding what this, what the debate and the circus that it was would mean for Joe Biden. I was under the impression that he really should have attacked Donald Trump more uh, and that he was playing, not defense, but he was just very passive. And, and to me, he was too passive for the moment. But clearly I was wrong. Uh, and what I, what I underestimated was how tired people are of Donald Trump. And I'm constantly finding myself um, maybe not giving the American people more credit than and what they're due. Um, 
because what these polls reveal is that people are really sick and tired of Trump and the chaos and the constant dehumanizing of, of people that just don't agree. And what Joe did so well, you know, which I'm now seeing is that he was able to just stand there. He made his points when he had to make his points. He told Trump to shut up when he had to tell Trump to shut up. But for the most, for the most part, you know, he was a gentleman, you know, to the best that anyone could be in that situation. And maybe that is what, what people are looking for right now. And that's what these polls revealed to me. So yeah, I am ecstatic uh, by these trends. And will it hold this time? I think it will. I think, you know, as Vince and I were discussing earlier, it, it's just a different election. Uh, it's a different, it's a different context. Four years ago, people did not quite realize how tired they would be of Trump four years later. The Trump fatigue wasn't even a concept for a lot of people. For me and Vince, it was a fatigue from the very beginning, the very day he, you know, went down that that escalator calling Mexicans rapists and, and murderers. But for a lot of people, it was refreshing, it was new, it was a politics that they had not yet experienced. And they thought maybe this would be the difference maker. Maybe Trump would finally change things and, and change how things operate within Washington, DC. And now, four years later, it's only gotten worse and people are tired of it. People are just sick and tired of it. And hopefully this continues. Uh, you know, we're gonna talk in, in the later segments you know, about everything else that's revolving around Trump and his COVID diagnosis. But if you're Joe Biden, I don't know how you can feel anything except profound optimism about where he is right now in the campaign. You know, Dean, I agree completely. I think when you look at this polling, it shows a couple things. Number one, you're right. People are exhausted. The Trump fatigue is real. The American people are just tired of the chaos. I think additionally, it shows that Joe Biden won the debate and he won it decisively. And he didn't do anything special. If you think about it to a degree, the way Joe Biden won this debate was the most Joe Biden way to win it. He didn't necessarily, he didn't necessarily do anything special, but he acted presidential. He showed leadership and he showed decency. And when he made his points, he made it about the American people. He looked directly into the camera and he spoke to a country that is just crying out for leadership. And during that debate, Donald Trump was Donald Trump. He was the exact, in the words of the great coach, Dennis Green, he is who we thought he was. He's a clown. And that's how he acted throughout the debate. 
from his interruptions to refusing to refusing to condemn racism and the proud boys i mean that debate performance by donald trump will go down as one of the worst in history and that's not just because i love joe biden that's not just because i'm a democrat it's just factual donald trump had one job that night to show the american people that he can be a leader because that's where trump that's where joe biden's beating him right now you look at independent voters, moderate voters right now, they want someone who can unify the country and they want the chaos to end. And what did Donald Trump go in there and do? He treated it like one of his rallies and he brought the chaos. He brought the entertainment. And you know what? Four years ago, it worked because four years ago, he was running against number one, Hillary Clinton a complete different type of candidate from Joe Biden. But number two, it was new. It was different. It was somewhat refreshing. This guy is up on this stage for president. He's not acting like a president. But the fundamentals this time around are completely different. We are tired as a country. Even some of Trump's supporters are tired. You know, you actually listen to some of the reporting that's done at some of the Trump rallies. And even the people there are kind of bored. They're bored with the same speeches and they're exhausted from the continual rhetoric from Trump. So when you look at how he performed in this debate, he literally did the exact opposite of what he needed to do. Uh, and I think when you look at this polling, it's reflective in that. Every major national poll showed an uptick for Joe Biden post-debate. And when you look at the state polling, the one that sticks out the most to me, the two states actually, is that... Ohio is now tied, a state that, frankly, two months ago, I had as a solid lean for Trump, if not solid Trump. And up until even last month, I assumed Florida was a foregone conclusion. You know, Joe had a lead during the month of June and July during the height of COVID. But then in August, most polls were showing either tied or Trump winning. When now all of a sudden, Joe Biden has a five-point lead in Florida. And I think that's largely because of the fact that people were reminded once again that no matter what Trump can promise on the economy, no matter what Trump might promise you on taxes, no matter what health care plan that he promises that he'll never deliver, he is who we think he is. He's not capable of being president. He's a reality TV star. That's who he is. Next is our Dumbo of the Week. This week's Dumbo of the Week is Tucker Carlson, who this past week compared Donald Trump to sexual assault victims. Take a quick listen. An invitation for something like this to happen. Raise an invitation. He asked for it. He was dressed provocatively. It's absurd. It's, it's just absurd. And I know we didn't play the entire clip, but what Tucker Carlson is trying to convince the Fox News viewer is that because Democrats are pointing out that Trump has mishandled the crisis from the very beginning, that that is in, in some way of us wishing ill will upon the president in the time of his, of his own 
COVID crisis, right? And this is what he does. He tries to muddle the waters and then he tries to explain to his viewers and his listeners that Democrats and liberals are awful people. But it, it's, it's beyond ridiculous. No one is saying that. No one credible is saying that we wish that the president uh, doesn't survive this. No one is saying that. But it, it is also quite something that Tucker Carlson, of all people, is trying to lecture anyone on decency. This is, a, this is a person that has emboldened white supremacists. He said white supremacy is not a problem in America. He is someone that issues Donald Trump or provides Donald Trump political cover. Every single time Donald Trump says something that is disgusting or immoral, Tucker Carlson is right there defending him over and over and over again. And for him, of all people, to be lecturing anyone on decency is, is just absurd. And for him to lecture anyone or even bring up the phrase sexual assault, I find reprehensible. This is the same man who's been accused multiple times, including this past summer, of sexual assault. He's currently going through a lawsuit right now. Fox News is going through a lawsuit about someone who accused him and Sean Hannity and others at the company of sexually assaulting them. This is the same man who told sexual assault victims they're part of the problem because they don't speak up. Tucker Carlson represents everything that is disgusting about Donald Trump and that base of support that he has. And as far as Tucker's argument that, you know, when you listen to the whole clip that we should be pointing blame as Democrats, we should be wishing the president the best of luck and well wishes. It's also an absurd argument as well, because I think most Democrats are saying that exactly. Listen, we all wish the president well. No one wants to see him die. However, you can't help but point out the fact that he wouldn't most likely be in this situation if he took the COVID guidelines seriously. If he would have wore a mask, if he would have stopped holding indoor events, which became super spreader events. If he would have done all these things, no one would be pointing the finger, but it's his cavalier attitude towards COVID-19 that has caused people to point out the fact that yes, he has it. Yes, we feel bad for him. Yes, we wish him well, but at the end of the day, he did bring this on himself. And there's no other way to say it. Yeah, I mean, there, there is nothing wrong with pointing out that Donald Trump, time and again, has not followed his own CDC guidelines. There's nothing wrong with that. And you know what? Getting sick does not absolve you of your previous misdeeds. I'm sorry, it does not. And I feel terrible for him. I feel awful for his wife and his son and everybody. No one deserves to get sick like this. Right? No one, we don't wish that upon anybody, no matter who they are. But at the same time, he went on stage on that debate 
and mocked Joe Biden for wearing his mask, saying it's the biggest mask he's ever seen. Are we not allowed to point out the hypocrisy and the absurdity of that? I mean, it's just, it, it's just infuriating and it, it's dangerous. It's dangerous to be to pushing this rhetoric that Democrats want him to die and that, you know, um, we were rejoicing in the fact that he has COVID-19. Because some of his listeners will take that seriously and who knows what they're going to do. So it's just not a, it's not just a, a faux pas. This is, this is dangerous rhetoric. And, and, and this is what he does all the time. All the time, this is what he does. And I think it's an important reminder for Democrats and for people listening to this podcast that at what's at stake this election, that if we elect Donald Trump for another four years, not only is democracy at stake, but think about who's going to be following up Donald Trump. It's going to be someone like Tucker Carlson. He's already talked about the fact that he might run. And I think that it is a very dangerous path that we are going down. And that if we reelect Donald Trump again, there will be more Donald Trumps in the future. We have to stop it here and we have to stop it now. And so it's important that everyone gets out to the polls and that everyone votes, whether you're voting at the polls, whether you're voting by mail, everyone needs to have an action plan and you need to make sure that you make your voice heard. Because if not, it is very possible that we might have a President Carlson in 2024. And I don't think America is prepared for that, nor do I think America can handle that. Now to our main event. Our main event question this week, is the Titanic, aka the Trump campaign, sinking? This week, Republican strategist Steve Schmidt, who worked on presidential campaigns of George W. Bush and John McCain, and is the founder of the Lincoln Project, said the following about the Trump campaign after a catastrophic week. The Titanic hit the iceberg at 11.40 p.m. There was a slight shudder. Most passengers were undisturbed. Two hours and 40 minutes later, she was 14,000 feet deep in the North Atlantic. The lethal event was barely noticed. The consequences played out in spasms of fear and chaos. That is the Trump campaign. It is imploding under the staggering weight of its lies and corruption. The staffers are enraged at the recklessness of their leadership it's all going down. You can feel it. This is the week that finished the Trump presidency. The end is near. Dean, is the Titanic sinking? Is this finally the end of the Trump presidency? Well, given the litany of things happening within Trump world, it very may well be the end. And, and just to quickly recap, you have his former campaign manager, Brad Parscale, who was arrested for beating his wife or girlfriend. Uh, I think he was, it was her girlfriend. Sorry. So you you know, first of all, you have uh, first of all, you have his former campaign manager, Brad Parscale, who was arrested for beating his girlfriend. Um, and there's a potential investigation into in embezzlement. You follow that up with what we just discussed, uh, which is Trump's debate performance, 
that was a combination of lunacy, absurdity, and and lying, like everything around Trump always is. You had the New York Times report regarding his tax returns and how over the past 10 or 11 years, the man has, has mostly paid nothing in federal income tax. Then you have Melania, Tr- Melania Trump and the tapes in which her former friend recorded conversations of them talking about Christmas decorations and how Melania Trump, in response to the valid criticism of, of the Trump administration and her reluctancy to do anything regarding their immigration policy and how they're locking kids up in cages and how ICE is running amok, doing whatever they want. And her response to that criticism was basically, I don't give an F. And then finally, you have Trump's COVID diagnosis and the lies that continue to circle around that diagnosis. The fact that he knew Hope Hicks had tested positive and he still went and he still and he still went to Bedminster and campaigned he has lied about when he was tested when he was tested positively for covid-19 he has doctors going on national tv providing him political cover once again lying about what medical treatments he received, lying about his blood oxygen levels, lying about the condition of his lungs. The lying doesn't end. So when you combine all these factors together in one week, it sure feels like it's coming to an end. But if we've learned anything from Donald Trump, it's that this man can survive a scandal. And I mean, this week will definitely be a test to his scandal survival abilities, but we cannot be complacent. We cannot just feel like this is, this is it. Because you know what? A lot of us, including myself, we were feeling the same thing when that tape was released. We felt there's no way he can survive this. And he did. Scandal after scandal, he survives. He's been impeached, he survives. He always survives. But maybe the magnitude of everything coming at one, at one critical point in our history, 30 days before the election, maybe it'll be the final straw to break the camel's back. I think when you look at everything that happened this week, it's just remarkable to me, Dean, how much chaos Donald Trump can bring to anything that he's involved in. I mean, this was a remarkable news week where the Brad Parscale and even the New York Times tax story didn't really get the media attention that it probably should have because there was just every day something new with the Trump campaign or Donald Trump. And you hear this a lot from Democrats, and we're discussing it now, which is, is this the end? Are the Democrats finally poised to end the Trump presidency? And I think to a degree, it's very easy 
to be somewhat pessimistic when you look at what happened in 2016, right? When you look at the lead that Hillary had in the first week of October, when the Access Hollywood tapes were released, and then you see it dwindle down week after week until eventually she loses the election in November, it's easy to be paranoid as a Democrat and think to yourself, it's not over. He could easily come back from this. But as we've been trying to argue throughout this election season is you can't compare 2016 to 2020. They're completely different fundamentals. The, the candidates running are completely different. When you look at the polling that has been conducted for the last six months, it is the most consistent polling ever. Like there has never been a presidential race that has been this consistent. There hasn't been a time where Trump has been leading in the last six months. And it's been a consistent seven to nine point lead on average for Joe Biden. And I don't see that changing and nothing this week that has happened is going to change that. And I really do believe that this is the end of the Trump presidency. I really do believe that the Titanic has hit the iceberg. It is taking on water and come November 3rd, it'll sink. Now that doesn't mean that we can take this lightly. It doesn't mean that we can sit back and not go out and vote. We need to every day remind our fellow citizens that Donald Trump is a, that Donald Trump is the commander in chaos and that he is not fit to be president and remind them of everything that happened this week because Trump's not gonna stop trying. Trump's not gonna give up. In his mind, he's got us right where he wants us. In his mind, he's still winning. After this COVID diagnosis, he's probably going to try to champion himself as the king of COVID. He's went through it. He understands it. He's already released a video where he talks about his firsthand experience with COVID-19. He's not a doctor. He's not someone who read it in a book. He lived it. And he's going to be the champion of understanding how to defeat COVID now because he went through it. And he will spin, spin, spin. And for his base, it's going to work. For the people who predominantly watch Fox News, who listen to Tucker Carlson, for those people, they're going to love it. And they're going to think this is the moment that Donald Trump can come back. This is the moment he needed. But the reality is, for the average voter, they're going to see right through it. I think, you know, Dean, you talked about this in the beginning of this episode, and I think it's very true. We often don't give the American public enough credit. The American public hasn't wavered on their view of Donald Trump throughout this election. They've been very, very consistent. And I think that consistency is going to continue and it's going to go all the way through November. And I think come November 3rd, we are going to elect Joe Biden as president. But again, that only happens if we keep fighting. And even once we elect Joe Biden president, in the words of AOC, we're not going back to brunch. We got a lot more <laughs> stuff to do. Electing Joe Biden president will help reassure that democracy is saved. But everything that we believe in as a progressive party and everything that we want to accomplish in that in Joe Biden's agenda won't happen if we don't show up to the midterms. Won't happen if we don't show up and vote in these local and state elections. So electing Joe Biden's the start. We can't give up. We cannot become complacent. And that is one thing I think that this time around you're going to see different about the election in 2020 is that I think in 2016, there was a sense of complacency with a lot of Hillary Clinton supporters. She had this wrapped up. She had this in the bag. And there were some people 
who decided, hey, I, I don't need to show up to the polls. It's not that big of a deal. She's got this. It's over. No way we elect Donald Trump. I don't see that happening this time around because I think people are terrified about it happening again, right? We all have PTSD from that situation before, and I don't see Democrats or anyone who wants to get rid of Trump taking any chances. No, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. And you know, just to, to, to backtrack a little bit on why this could be the end, you know, lying begets lying. Cover-ups beget more cover-ups. That's the way it works. And what is uniquely different about this moment as compared to the other scandals of this administration and the other lies of this administration is that when a lie goes up against science, science wins, always. So Donald Trump and his doctors can continue to lie about the diagnosis. They can continue to lie about um, how serious this is, everything is. And then, you know, related to COVID generally, they can continue to lie about how masks aren't important and they can continue to be making fun of people for wearing masks. But now there is tangible proof in front of the entire country that the science is right and that the president was wrong. So whether you want to call it a lie or a cover-up or him just being incompetent at his job, this is the first time that a lot of American people can see right in front of them how wrong he was. How wrong he was to go up on that stage and make fun of Joe Biden for wearing his masks. How wrong his campaign and his administration has been on masks. You have Jason Miller just today accusing Joe Biden of using masks as a prop. Before the debate, the entire Trump family refused to wear a mask. But when, when conspiracy theories go up against reality, reality wins. And I think more and more Americans are, are keen to that and are aware of that fact. And, you know, it's a shame that it took him getting sick of, with COVID to get to this point. You know, it, it really is. And again, we don't wish that upon anybody. But, you know, just real quick, you were talking about, and I completely agree with you, by the way, what he's going to do that he's gonna to try to claim COVID-19 uh, and, and say he's the COVID king, he, he defeated COVID. He understands COVID now better than anybody else because he had it. But I think a lot of people will see right through that because he is the president of the United States of America. And we've already lost over 200,000 American lives because of his incompetency. And now he gets it. Now he understands COVID because it happened to him. I don't think it's gonna work. So to answer your original question, it really should be the end. It should. 
And as long as we as progressives keep telling our neighbors and our friends and our family members, just vote, have a plan, do whatever you have to do to vote. And as long as we do what we have to do, we'll win. We'll win because science is on our side. And I think increasingly what is becoming more apparent to me, especially post the debate and post uh, and uh, with the polls reflecting the debate is that people are tired of Trump. You know, I think we're awakening to the fact, well, we were, but I think more Americans are awakening to the fact that you look at all these other countries that are handling this crisis in a way that is rational and logical and based on data. And their population isn't being annihilated by COVID-19 and ours is. You look at other countries that are providing bi-weekly payments to their citizens who lost their jobs. And we have one, we had, we had one stimulus package under this president. So everything combined together, I think, I don't wanna say it out loud because you know I'm somewhat superficial, not superficial, I'm somewhat superstitious. Uh, I, I hope you're right though. And for me, part of the reason I make my determination and I believe that the Titanic is officially sinking and that they've hit an iceberg is because there's just not much time left. Granted, it's a month. In politics, that can sometimes be an eternity. But what's going to have to happen for him to turn this around is near impossible at this point. In four weeks, he's going to have to try to convince the American people he now is presidential and to forget about everything he did for the past four years. That after almost six months of not taking COVID-19 seriously because of four weeks, all of a sudden now we're going to believe him that he really gets it and that's going to make a difference in voters' minds. You know, it's funny because I think if Trump does try to go the route of, I understand COVID now, and that seems to be what he's going to do. I get it. I, was, I wasn't wrong, but I get it now. I understand it better. And I'm better suited to lead because I've had COVID. That's going to be his argument. I can see the media going crazy about, oh, Trump's changed his tone. He understands it now. And yeah, the media might talk about that. But the average voter doesn't pay attention and doesn't care the way the media does, the way even people maybe listening to this podcast or actively engaged in the political conversation care, right? The average voter isn't looking at CNN or Fox News or MSNBC every day, listening to see what the tone, subtle tone changes are in Donald Trump. People have made their minds up and they have plenty of history to judge Donald Trump on. And in my mind, nothing in these next four weeks can change that. Nothing that Donald Trump does can change what can undo what he has done for the past four years. That has been decided. I think the obstacle in front of the Biden campaign now is just make sure that they cannot try to define him and change voters' opinions about him. 
because that's what this is going to come down to these next four weeks. As long as voters continue to be comfortable with Joe Biden and his leadership, this is his election to win. This is his election to lose. He's got to continue to do what he's done throughout this whole campaign. Just be Joe Biden. I just don't believe that there is anything Trump can do to change the image that people have of him now. It has been four years, four relentless years of him earning that image that he has right now. And there's no four weeks of him acting normal or him acting somewhat presidential that's going to change that. That is it with this week's episode of the Left and Lefter podcast. Don't forget to share this episode with your family and friends. Additionally, do not forget you can support the Left and Lefter podcast directly by going to our website and purchasing merchandise from our website. We have a lot of great progressive and Joe Biden merchandise in our shop right now. Go to www.leftandlefter.com slash shop until next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Left and Lefter podcast. Join the Left and Lefter community at leftandlefter.com and follow us on Twitter at Left and Lefter. Thank you.